just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Wednesday, and I'm still in Georgia. I recorded this thing last Friday. So it's going to be more a generic show than what you're used to hearing, but we'll be talking about some important issues that are important to all of us today. I want to thank Ed, Jenna, and Trevor for coming on the shows on Monday and Tuesday. Appreciate you guys stopping in and helping out during the time that I'm away. But never fear, I will be back Thursday afternoon in time to settle down, get some popcorn, and watch the January 6th hearing at prime time. This one's going to be interesting. We'll be talking about that more tomorrow a little bit in preparation for that hearing. But after it's done, I have a feeling shit's about to get crazy. Because we're getting down to the end of when these uh, hearings are going to happen. This was technically, this one coming up Thursday was the 8th and supposed to be the last. But they're already inkling that there is more coming. They're even talking about the prospect of having Pence and Trump testify. (laughs) Good luck getting those fucking clowns to sit down. But... There's always other people coming out of the woodwork that decide they want to talk because they're getting nervous. All their friends are giving out information, and some of it might make them look bad. So they want to uh, get to it before it's too late. Or maybe some people are just feeling a little guilty, and they want to do the right thing. (laughs) I'm just kidding. These are Republicans. They never had that feeling. Anyway, some of the things I want to talk about, Republicans particularly. Now, we know Republicans, for the most part, are fucking children. We know Donald Trump is a fucking child. Anytime somebody uh, questions him or insults him, he's got to come back fast and hard, and it usually sounds stupid. But now the whole Republican Party is kind of playing that same game. House Republicans are plotting revenge on the select committee investigating the January 6th, 2021 insurrection. That's right. (laughs) They're plotting revenge. And we've always heard this before. As the GOP weighs a broader effort to relitigate some of Donald Trump's biggest election grievances if it captures the House majority. This is what I love about them. They're so delusional. They're guaranteed in their mind that they're getting the House and the Senate, and then they'll turn this thing upside down. I guess they don't pay attention to the fact that you overturn Roe v. Wade. You're going to have people expelled from the uh, uh, from Congress. You're going to have all kinds of things exposed, people indicted. That doesn't seem to click in their minds. They really think they're going to win. And you know what? I like that. I love it when somebody like the Republicans are blindsided. They aren't expecting it, and then all of a sudden, oh shit, here it comes. Now, of course, they'll probably say they were cheating and all that sort of thing, but how well did it work with Donald Trump? Donald Trump's still sitting on his ass in Mar-a-Lago in a pair of dirty diapers, and Joe Biden is in the fucking Oval Office. 
The former president has been itching for payback and leaning heavily on the Capitol Hill allies to defend him against a recent slew of damaging revelations about his role in the deadly attack on the U.S. Capitol. Now, as Republicans search for ways to undermine those findings, their party has started to lay the groundwork to investigate the select committee itself. Well, it's funny, you know, he's had Donald Trump's had them looking and wanting them to protect him. Haven't fucking heard a word. Not anything worth noticing. They're having trouble finding evidence to show that the select committee is biased because there is no such evidence. Republicans have already asked the January 6th panel to preserve a broad range of documents in its possessions, a signal they're preparing to force those records to be turned over should they wield powerful committee gavels next year. And privately, Republican sources say they've been uh, discussions about subpoena, sending subpoenas to uh, members of the select committee like Liz Cheney, who is fighting an uphill battle for re-election and retiring rep Adam Kinzinger of Illinois, if both Republicans are private citizens next year. That's right. We're going to subpoena them. We're going to show them. I got to tell you, I don't think either one of them will turn down the subpoena. And if you put them on the stand, you'd be Better be careful what you're asking for because you're going to get it. And either one of these people can tear any other fucking Republican apart. This might backfire. You may want to rethink this, Republicans. It's an idea that has garnered support among allies for the former president. But House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, who has refused to comply with a subpoena from the Select Committee and has long held that the panel lacks the authority to haul in private citizens, is cool to the idea according to a Republican source familiar with his thinking. Now, other investigative ideas under consideration among House Republicans include establishing their own select committee. Oh, there's a brilliant idea. Out of nowhere, they started a select committee. Well, we're going to start a select committee, too. Or repurposing the current one to investigate matters such as Nancy Pelosi's role in capital security enforcement on January 6, 2021, the intelligence and security failures surrounding that day, and the treatment of the rioters who have been jailed for their role in their insurrection. Okay. I keep hearing this. Well, it's Nancy Pelosi's fault the security was bad at the Capitol. That's absolute bullshit. The police department didn't have enough bodies to hold off this fucking toothless horde. Donald Trump himself and Michael Flynn's brother, who is at the Pentagon, held back the National Guard. It isn't hard to figure that out. We've seen the evidence. So what they're going to try to do is pin this on Nancy Pelosi. I got to be honest, there ain't nobody in the Republican Party that can fuck with Nancy Pelosi. She's smarter than all of them, and she's an old woman, for Christ's sake. Meanwhile, some of Trump's fiercest acolytes have started to publicly push for hearings and probes into this baseless claims of fraud in the 2020 election, even as the select committee reveals an avalanche of testimony about those lies incited a violent mob attack to the Capitol. Let me explain to you what's happening here. They aren't going to have a select committee. They aren't going to do an investigation. They're not going to subpoena anybody anything. They see the shitstorm is coming. It's been drizzling up to now, but it's coming, and it's going to come big. 
So as narcissists, as stupid fucks, all they can try to try to do is intimidate to slow it down or stop it. Scare people into saying, oh, we better not do this. Because that's all they really know how to do. They have no evidence. You know, it's like... <laughs> It's like putting on a carnival with no fucking entertainers. They can have their little select committee. They can have their investigation, but there's nothing to find. And everything they do find will implicate the Republicans. So that's not going to happen. This is just what Donald Trump does. Think about this. Every time somebody says something to Donald Trump, he says, I'm going to sue you. It's a matter of trying to intimidate people to back off. That's what narcissists do. And that's what the Republican Party is doing here. Guess what? Nobody in the Democratic Party is scared in the least. Nobody is going to slow anything down. But the unfortunate thing for the Republicans, this is all they fucking have. So they are desperate. And frankly, they are fucking done. I think that it's important to seek the truth wherever it may lead on all of this. GOP Representative Chip Roy of Texas, a member of the hardline House Freedom Caucus. We should be looking at whatever we can through the standing committees and have a robust debate about it. Yeah, fuck you. You don't care as long as it's the truth wherever it may lead. Let me tell you something. If it leads you to the actual evidence that shows the Republicans are fucking thugs, you're going to shut up real quick and you're going to go away. But again, you're not going to have a select committee. You're not going to do an investigation. You're just trying to pull an intimidation tra uh, tactic, trying to distract the select committee from doing their job. But it's not going to work. They're on a fucking roll. You're done. Now, the GOP's growing desire to craft a counter-narrative on January 6th and shift the blame away from Trump comes as the former president is gearing up to soon announce another White House bid. God, I hope he does. Pursuing that effort could also be politically advantageous for McCarthy, whose expected bid for speaker would be made easier with support from Trump. The former president has sometimes criticized the California Republican over how he's handled the GOP's defense of the Trump uh, of Trump during the select committee's investigation. Oh, hell yeah. Kevin fucked up big time. When the Democrats came to him about the select committee, he said, they said, let's do it like a 9-11 investigations where there are equal amounts of people from both sides. Well, of course, Kevin put up five members and uh, two of them or three of them, Banks and Jim Jordan, Nancy Pelosi didn't like them for the select committee, and she had every right to stop them, ban them from being on the select committee. I mean, let's face it, Banks and Jim Jordan might be indicted for their participation in the insurrection. So why would you put them on the investigation committee? Jim Jordan hasn't done anything for anybody. He's just there. He's like a goon on a, high, a hockey team. Whenever they need to stir it up or get in a fight, they send the, the mad dog out there. So it's mad dog Jim Jordan. And he's not even really that good at it. But all he does is create chaos and noise. And Nancy Pelosi didn't think he'd be a proper person to have on the investigation committee. So what does Kevin McCarthy do? He gets angry. He pouts and he says, well, we will just not participate. <laughs> I could see the Democrats just smiling. Oh, really? Okay. That's cool. 
McCarthy thought that if he would ignore it, everybody else would ignore it, and uh, the, the select committee wouldn't get anywhere, at least wouldn't garner any attention. Well, he was fucking wrong. And now he's got this select committee giving out evidence with no opposition, even though there are two Republicans on the, on the panel. And this is pissing off Donald Trump. This is pissing off a lot of Republicans. I think it's hilarious that Kevin McCarthy, if by some remote chance the Republicans win the House, that he has a shot at being the Speaker of the House. I don't think so. He's fucked up a lot. And people don't like him. People don't like him. And and he's thinking, well, if Donald Trump gets in as president, come on, that is not going to fucking happen. Something between now and 2024 will happen where Donald Trump cannot run for office. He'll either bail out because he knows he's going to lose or he will be indicted and he will lose the the uh, privilege of running for office. He'll get sick. Uh, the Republicans will decide we don't want Donald Trump on the ticket, so we're just going to ignore him. We're not going to support him anymore. But there's no way Donald Trump's going to be on the ticket in 2024. People have said to me, well, you're just wishing for that. You know, to be perfectly honest with you, I wish he was on the ticket in 2024. That means whoever is going up against him in the Democratic Party, and I'm not convinced that it will be Joe Biden, I think they will kick his ass. I mean, he lost by 7 million votes in 2020. Now, with all this information about his criminality and his corruption coming out, That's not going to get him more votes. That's going to lose him more votes. It's like all these other candidates for different uh, elections that are endorsed by Donald Trump. And when he first came out endorsing them, I told you, I said, I hope every Donald Trump endorsee gets the nomination from the Republican Party because they're batshit crazy. And when it comes to running against the Democrats, the Democrats will have a much easier time against somebody who's batshit crazy as opposed to somebody who seems quasi-normal. Now, the same could be said for Donald Trump if he runs in 2024. If Joe Biden's running against him or somebody else, they're going to beat him in a walk because Donald Trump right now is damaged goods and it's only going to get worse before November. You know, these people are hilarious. They love to make threats and they never follow through. And that's just how they do things. So if anybody's worried about a select committee that the Republicans are going to have to tear apart the Democrat, don't worry about it. First of all, it's never going to happen. Second of all, if they think they're going to win the House and the Senate, they're fooling themselves. Lastly, even if they did it, they wouldn't find any evidence. It would be a waste of time creating chaos, attempting to distract and divert and change the narrative. It's all bullshit. Everything the Republicans are involved in is bullshit. So don't even worry about that. Now, among the amazing things about Donald Trump's presidency is the number of prominent officials from his team who have ended up denouncing him. There were or these were key members of the administration who worked closely with Trump, saw how he made his decisions, learned how he processed information and ultimately concluded they didn't want to have anything to do with the former president. But it's not just former White House officials and cabinet secretaries. Some of Trump's former attorneys have denounced him, too. 
Michael Cohen, of course, is the most prominent example. The lawyer served as Trump's fixer and an executive at the Trump Organization before ultimately rejecting the former president and describing him as a fool for having trusted his former client. But let's not forget about Ty Cobb. Now, he helped defend Donald Trump during the investigation into the Russia scandal. NBC News asked the attorney yesterday about the prospect of his former client running an, uh, another national campaign. Cobb responded by describing the former president as a disaster for the Republican Party. So this is what Ty Cobb said. The big lie has been good only for Trump and has brought him millions in donations, which some evidence suggests may have been mishandled. The big lie and the related violence, election interference, and others' perceived misconduct was and is an affront to this nation and its first principles. It has permanently soiled the history pages and deepened the abyss that divides our country and continues to expand due to the delusions and lack of accountability of politicians in both parties. <laughs> now, this is Donald Trump's. Uh, this is Donald Trump's former lawyer. This is the guy that spoke up for Donald Trump. Now that he's away from Donald Trump, he's noticing. You know, it does kind of seem fucked up. Maybe Donald Trump. Uh, yeah, maybe he's not that good a guy. Maybe maybe he's just not that good a guy. Now, Cobb's statement added, it should be disqualifying for Trump and his political acolytes and would have been at any other time in our history to modify a well-known Seinfeld quote, sanity now. I don't remember that quote from Seinfeld. I wasn't a big Seinfeld person, but if you were, you get it. Shortly before the lawyer left Trump's team, the then president published a tweet that read, I have full confidence in Ty Cobb. I mean, it, it's really true when you think about it. I mean, we're looking at this J6 committee, and every witness that comes up is, in fact, a Republican. Somebody who either worked with or was in the Trump administration. I think a lot of people were expecting when this J6 committee came out that there would be a lot of Democrats testifying. But not one. It's all Republicans. These are all people at one time or another supported Donald Trump, worked for Donald Trump. But now they're going back and they're saying, oh, that's some fucked up shit. Yeah, I'm not with Donald Trump on this one. This is what this, you know, this is the key about narcissists. And I learned this with my father. Narcissists from a distance look pretty good. Attractive people, smart, glib, articulate, really strong leaders. That's what they appear from a distance. But you will never find a narcissist that has a close, long-term friend. Never. My dad included. It's because when you get that close, you really see what's going on behind the scenes. The making of the sausage, if you will. You find out very quickly as you're close to a narcissist that this fucker is a miserable fuck, and he's in it for nothing but himself. So it's very difficult for them to keep close friendships or close relationships. And, you know, I think that's what, what, what happened with the people on his staff. 
I think from a distance, well, I get to work for the president. Donald Trump's so charismatic. Yeah, I'm going to go work for Donald Trump. This will be exciting. I imagine Cassidy Hutchinson, 26 years old, looking for work, looking for the path to get on for her future career. And then all of a sudden, after an internship, she finds herself with a job working in the West Wing for the chief of staff, sitting in an office right in the middle between Mark Meadows and the Oval Office. Well, that had to be pretty heady stuff. And when a young person comes in like that, they get caught up in all the hype and all the information, and they get on board pretty strongly. But even Cassidy Hutchinson, after a period of time, said, Whoa, (laughs) this is fucked up. This is really fucked up. And she made the hard choice to come out and tell the truth. Now, she's in bad shape because of it, because there's all kinds of threats, and all the Trumplefucks are threatening her life and causing her all kinds of problems. She's she's in uh, hiding, and she has security around her at all times. But we give her credit, as I've said in a previous podcast. We give her credit for actually standing up and telling the truth. Imagine this. A 26-year-old young woman, a neophyte, in the political world. She will stand up and she will speak the truth, but not one of these seasoned politicians that work with Donald Trump, even if they believe Donald Trump fucked up and that he's dangerous and that he's bad for this country. Even still, those people, you know, guys in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, that side with Donald Trump because he's their guy, their Lord and Savior, Even they, when they realize how bad this situation was and how horrible of a human being that Donald Trump is, even then, they won't stand up and tell the truth. They're still deathly afraid of Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump's losing a lot of power every day with these January 6th committees. He's taken a hit in popularity. He's taken a hit in people who support him. And ultimately, there won't be very many people supporting him. And this is what I find hard to understand. We've got experienced politicians. And they're standing by Donald Trump. But for some reason, they can't see the writing on the wall. They're missing it. They know Donald Trump is going to go down. They know Donald Trump may be indicted. He might even go to jail. But at, at, at best case, his entire life is going to be destroyed. He's be, going to become a pariah, and he's going to be an embarrassment for everybody to see. But still, these people insist on standing next to him and supporting him. They know what's coming, and they know when it comes, it's going to destroy their careers and their reputation as well. But they, they still do it. I don't, I don't quite understand it. I don't understand why they would try to do that. What they hope to gain? Are they that afraid of Donald Trump? Now, we know Donald Trump tends to do a little blackmailing now and then, holding hidden information over people's heads. A lot of speculation that that's the case with Lindsey Graham. And the way it's all played out with Lindsey Graham, it sure seems like it. Lindsey hated the guy, thought he was the worst thing for the Republican Party in this country. Then he becomes president, and then all of a sudden, All of a sudden, he's Donald Trump's best buddy. Now, if you remember a while back, you know, 
he was making a threat again, and he was talking about some Republican member of Congress who's done some horrible things. All I have to do is say what that's about. And that was a warning. That was a red flag to whoever might be stepping out of line. And apparently it worked because nobody nobody stepped up and said anything at all. But you have to wonder if that wasn't Lindsey Graham. We know Lindsey Graham has some issues that he's hiding, whether he should be hiding them or not. You know, the idea that he might be um, gay or a cross-dresser or whatever. The fact is, nobody really cares about that. I'm not going to call out uh, Lindsey Graham because of his uh, life in the bedroom because I don't care. I don't care about that. I care about how he deals with people in this country, how he's tried to destroy this country and this government. And that's why I hate Lindsey Graham. But you got to wonder, you know Donald Trump knows about these dirty secrets. I'm guessing everybody in Congress knows about dirty secrets. Nobody has the balls to say, you better fucking shut up or I'm going to spill the beans. But Donald Trump will. Donald Trump will do it every time. I mean, hell, uh, Jeffrey Epstein sounds like he got all his money from blackmailing rich people. And what I find interesting is that if you read about it, Donald Trump and Jeffrey Epstein were friends. But Jeffrey Epstein looked at Donald Trump as kind of a mentor, kind of taught him the ways of the land, how to get rich. And if Jeffrey Epstein was a massive blackmailer, you have to expect that maybe that idea came from Donald Trump because Donald Trump has been doing it for years. So it's not surprising that some of these people, when they get out from underneath Donald Trump, they speak against him. They have to, because if they don't, they're going to get lumped up with him In the end, frankly, some of these people can't save themselves anymore. They're too deep. They've waited too long. And for the life of me, I don't know why they do that. But we're seeing people peeling away from Donald Trump, and this January 6th committee is doing its job. People are either getting nervous or feeling guilty, and they're starting to talk. And as they start to talk, bit by bit, Donald Trump will be torn down and destroyed. All right, we'll take a quick break and we will be right back. On every show, I tell you that if you have questions, comments, or complaints, just reach out to me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Those emails come directly to me and your input is crucial to this show. The show is called Rational Boomer Podcast, but that's not to suggest that I'm the Rational Boomer. I am not. I am simply a Rational Boomer. All of you are Rational Boomers. Anybody of a like mind is a Rational Boomer. Strength comes in numbers and not through an individual. You have perceptions and insights that may have never occurred to me. This isn't a show about me. This is a show about us and gaining a voice in this country. There's 70 million baby boomers in this country. Yeah, I know the younger folks would prefer to push us aside. Every generation has done that. But we are a formidable force if we can get together and speak in one voice. This is why I encourage you to let your friends and family know about the Rational Boomer podcast, not to satisfy my ego, but to give us more power, a stronger voice to help right this ship we call the United States of America. Lastly, I'm offering the opportunity for my listeners to be on the show. Now, it could be two minutes, it could be a half hour, it could be the whole fucking show. 
I'd much rather have you on the show than somebody pimping a podcast or a book. I want to hear what you think. I want to know what you know. The Rational Boomer Podcast is all about us. Recent revelations have told us that there were two factions in the White House during the Trump administration. There was Team Crazy and Team Normal. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll explain it to you. When Donald Trump lost the election, there are his appointed people, his professional people around him saying, you know what, you lost, let it go, concede, let's move on. Well, that isn't what Donald Trump wanted to hear. He couldn't imagine how in the world he would have lost to Joe Biden. How does Joe Biden, this guy that's not very charismatic, get 81 million votes? And as I've said many times before, it's because of you, Donnie. They were fucking scared to death that you would get back into office. So they voted for Joe Biden, the only way to keep you up. But see, he couldn't see that. He couldn't see that. And he wasn't willing to concede, even though he knew he lost. He thought, well, I'm clever and I'm smart and I can game this situation. I just need an angle. I need a loophole. I need something. Well, his 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 appointed people, his professional people around him weren't able to come up with a way to do that. They did get on board after the fact, but they couldn't come up with a way to make it sound like Donald Trump won. So that's where Team Crazy came in. People like Michael Flynn, Roger Stone, Rudy Giuliani, all these fucks would come in and they were all trying to figure out how to game the system. They all knew that Donald Trump lost, but they were just trying to find some way to keep him in office. They were going to scam this situation. Now, we know the crazies are fucking crazy. They're conspiracy theorists, they're QAnon freaks, they're just liars, cheats, criminals, corrupt pieces of shit. But what about who they called Team Normal? Former President Donald Trump's so-called Team Normal had to be either completely deluded or brainless not to know what their boss was up to with this team crazy during January 6th insurrections, observed MSNBC's Chris Hayes. I mean, think about it. These people popping in out of the fucking blue, no appointment, nothing, just sitting down with Donald Trump. You would have to think that Team Normal would say, well, that's out of out of the ordinary. Maybe we should check into that. And apparently they didn't. But if they did, they were just ignoring it, thought it would go away or thought it was just stupid and it would never happen. Well, they were fooled, of course. The primetime anchor called out the White House insiders who didn't join Trump's plot to overturn his election defeat and said their bizarrely willful blindness to the obvious truth was enraging. Now, Trump's team normal members have told House January 6th committee investigators of the team of crazies who advised Trump to overturn election results by force, if necessary, to stay in power. But testimony showed the team normal crew did little to stop the crazies. And that's the key. That's what they're there for. They're there to protect the president. Now, some of these crazies include Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, extremist retired Army General Michael Flynn. Hayes said uh, last Wednesday on All In that it's a good thing White House staff included Trump's White House counsel, Pat Cipollone. He resisted Trump's attempted coup, but their resistance fell short, he added. 
Hayes mocked Cipollone's complaints to the January 6th panel members that Trump's unhinged advisors weren't backing up their baseless claims of a rigged election with the facts. That's when Hayes said he almost threw something at the TV. Pat, buddy, bro, my man, do you know who you work for? Donald fucking Trump, the most pathological liar I've ever covered in 20 years of journalism, said Hayes, after playing a clip of Cipollone's testimony. Now, here he is, the White House counsel, and he's throwing up his hand saying, I couldn't do anything, which is absolute bullshit. Here's the thing. You had Team Crazy and all these allegedly normal people, Team Normal, are trying to blame it on the crazies. But you had a job to do there and you were sitting in the middle of it. Don't tell me you didn't notice what was happening because Donald Trump would go on TV and spout this bullshit. You knew exactly what was happening and you did nothing. Trump wanted to overturn American democracy and declare himself president for life, said Hayes, directing his remarks to Cipollone. If you do not realize that, you are either stupid, disqualifyingly naive, or so incompetent you should never hold another job. Trump had been signaling his coup plans for months in broad daylight, said Hayes. So there's Cipollone saying, whoa, how did I get here? It was obvious to anyone with a brain cell what was going to happen. Hayes called it so deeply enraging that the professionals, the adults in the room at the White House, were so disturbed and aghast and bewildered and surprised that it turned out the way it did. President was trying to do something illegal with these weirdos. Of course he was. It's a good thing they realized at the very end, Hayes said, but it's a bad thing it took so damn long. And that's exactly right. The thing is, they may not have been the crazies, but I bet they were sitting back going, you know, this just might work. So I'm going to keep my mouth shut and just wait and see what happens. Well, of course, it wasn't going to work, and they should have known better. And as as um, as uh, was pointed out by Hayes, you have to be stupid or you're fucking complicit. Now, Pat Cipollone is... Uh, is a well-regarded, intelligent lawyer. So he's not stupid. So he was complicit, either afraid to confront Donald Trump or just was unable to convince Donald Trump to go the legal route as opposed to the crazy fucking route. I picture Donald Trump as kind of an out-of-control kid, crying, screaming, running around in circles, and you're saying, Jesus, stop, stop, be quiet, stop, and they don't. And they keep going. And that's who Donald Trump was. So you had Team Normal and Team Crazy. And Team Crazy bulldozed over the top of Team Normal. And apparently they could do nothing about it or chose not to do anything about it. The bottom line, it happened and it went on a long time. And now Pat Cipollone has to testify, which he did. And he's holding up his hands like, well, I tried, man. Well, you got to do fucking better than that. You're the White House counsel. You're there to protect the Constitution and the office of the presidency. You didn't do your job. Again, you're either stupid or you're complicit. And Pat Cipollone and these other people aren't stupid, so they got to be complicit. 
In an interview with the Daily Beast, Molly Jong Fast, Donald Trump's niece, Mary Trump, explained that the daily drumbeat of revelations from the House Select Committee investigating the J6 insurrection is likely taking a devastating toll on his already deteriorating, deteriorating mental state. He's, she's talking about Donald Trump, of course. Now, Mary Trump is a psychologist, so she kind of knows what she's talking about. She explained that her uncle, due to his narcissistic personality disorder, is unable to deal with constant criticism in a forum where he can't fire back and that he's likely making the people surrounding him miserable as the hearings continue. That's what narcissists do, especially when they can't kick back. I remember when I was young. My father, when we were little kids, he would say the most horrible things to his kids. We had no idea that it was that horrible until we became parents and realized, who would fucking say that to a child? But there then came a point where my brother and I got big enough where he didn't really have the courage to go nose to nose with us because he he knew that, you know, we were still kids, but we were pretty good sized kids and... uh, we were a little less naive at that point. We've been in a couple of uh, tussles, if you will, so we weren't necessarily adverse to mixing it up, if you know what I mean. And because he's a narcissist and because he's a coward, he didn't want to confront us. If he was mad at us, meaning my brother and I, he would always yell at my mom, hoping she would yell at us, knowing that if she yelled at us, we'd, we'd listen to her. But that's what I'm sure Donald Trump is doing. He's got no way to really lash back at some of these people saying these things about him. So he is probably making um, the people around him, their lives miserable, yelling and screaming and throwing stuff and throwing ketchup at the wall or whatever the fuck he's doing. I just don't understand when you're in that abusive relationship, and that's frankly what these people are in. They are like abused children when they work for Donald Trump why they continue to do that. Maybe it's uh, like that Stockholm Syndrome. It gets so bad that you just kind of buy into it and you stick around forever. I don't know. But you can bet that Donald Trump is doing that currently. Now, Mary, Mary Trump pointed out that it is highly likely that he is obsessed with the hearings and told host John Fast that his mental issues are serious and they are deteriorating Any serious illness that's not treated gets worse over time. Yeah, he's definitely has some mental issues. He's always had some mental issues. And as far as obsessing over the hearings, we know that to be true as well. We're getting inside information from people that are around him saying he is riveted to these hearings. He's watching every second of them. And as he goes along, he'll always go off to one of his advisors or what have you and say, how do you, how do you think that made me look? Am I okay here? Yeah, he's scared and desperate. And that's a dangerous time for a narcissist. That's when they can get a little violent. And hopefully that's not the case here. He's a coward, so it's less likely. But when they've always been able to get out from under everything they got into. Somebody either saved them or they could bullshit their way out or intimidate their way out. But when that comes to a point where that's not possible, they just freak out. She added, he is addicted to being at the center of attention. 
I'm sure he's as riveted by these hearings as we are, <clears throat> but in completely different ways. And for him to feel that the focus is shifting away from him or that he's losing power will make things even worse because he won't confront that and process it and deal with it. He'll bury it and therefore worsen his situation. As for those who tend to his daily needs, she claimed they are probably miserable having to be around while he's conceding that they have brought that on themselves for not walking away. I can only imagine what it's like to be anywhere near him right now. I'm sure the temper, the out-of-control narcissism must be unspeakable, unspeakably difficult for people around him. Not that I have any comparison for any of them at this point, but yeah, it's really going to get worse from here on. And that's true. Because what's coming out on the January 6th committee is getting worse. They're kind of building to a culmination. You can see them doing that. It started out pretty benign, but a little damning. Then the next one was worse. The next one is worse. And the one coming up tomorrow at prime time, I have a feeling, is really going to take the roof off the house. And this is going to drive Donald Trump nuts. What's going to be interesting is to see what he does. How does he respond to this? It can't possibly be good. It just can't. It can't be fucking good. Now, United States Congressman Brian Mast, a Republican from Florida on Friday, attempted to coerce Democrats in the House of Representatives into validating right-wing talking points about abortion (laughs) by flashing cold, hard cash. Well, that's slick. In the House of Representatives, you try to bribe somebody. Mast performed the Mast performed the stunt during a floor debate over House Resolution 8297, which, if it passed, passed, would protect the right to interstate travel to get an abortion. Can you imagine we're even talking about that? They want to cancel and make abortion illegal, and then they somehow want to control the free movement of American citizens from state to state. Because they think it could be that they're going to get an abortion, and we got to stop that too. This is so contrary to the Constitution and what America is about, it's fucking crazy. Anyway, he says, I got a $20 bill here. It's not worth as much as it used to be worth. I'll put it down here on the table. Any one of you or your colleagues wants to speak up and tell us when life begins, it's sitting here for you, Master Boasted. Mass theatrics left Congresswoman Jackie Spear nearly speechless. Uh, It gets more painful every single day. When you think about you've got an attorney general in Indiana who has smeared a healthcare professional in that state who did exactly what she was supposed to do in providing an abortion to a 10-year-old. But he, Todd Rokita, was going to bring charges against her. Yeah, that's what he said. She did the abortion legally on this 10-year-old child that came from Ohio, and he was all butthurt, so he was going to find something on her, and he was going to charge her. Didn't happen. She didn't do anything wrong. We have a colleague on the other side of the aisle who is now putting down $20 bills as if, if we're going to race over there to get the $20 bill to answer his question, Spears said in response. 
I mean, what are we doing here? Have we lost it, she exclaimed. The bill simply codifies what is interpreted in the Constitution in the Fifth Amendment. Now, we have a Supreme Court Justice, Brett Kavanaugh, who said, was asked the question, may a state bar a resident of the state from traveling to another state? Brett Kavanaugh said no. But interestingly enough, the right to travel, those words are not in the Fifth Amendment. So if we have an originalist court, we do have to pass this bill. It's, it's, it's you know, it's like, like in Superman with Bizarro World. We're seeing things happening in our House of Representatives that just is mind-boggling. It's childish. It's, it's seditious. It's horrible shit. And it's going on every day. Well, you remember the name Andy Biggs, Representative Andy Biggs. He showed up in that list of names that Liz Cheney put in the last hearing about people that may have been connected to the insurrection. Well, Representative Andy Biggs of Arizona has not yet given up on former Donald Trump. He's not apologized or backed away from his claims of voter fraud in the 2020 election. And he's clearly not worried about the House January 6th committee putting him on blast for his efforts to overturn the election's results. <clears throat> Again, I can't understand it. You can't read the writing on the wall. You don't know what's happening. If anything, all evidence points towards Biggs and other Trump Republicans positioning themselves to give a new breath to their election fraud misinformation campaign if the GOP regains control of the House next season or next January. And they're not. They're just, it makes no sense to tell me that the Republicans are going to win in November. Based on what? What have they accomplished to get people's votes? They've done plenty to get votes taken away from them, but nothing to gain votes. The Arizona congressman is a member of the House Oversight Committee and is currently circulating a letter addressed to the committee's chair. Now, in the letter, Biggs urges immediate hearings to investigate the potential illegal activities revealed in the documentary film 2,000 Mules. Yeah, I love it when they point to the movie 2,000 Mules. This has been debunked so many fucking times. It's just a bunch of propaganda rhetoric bullshit. It's only fair, he argues, given that the committee has held hearings on the Arizona election audit and Texas voting laws. If you're unfamiliar with the film in question, that's probably for the best, directed by historian and Trump pardon recipient Dinesh D'Souza. 2000 Mules uh, premiered earlier this year at a screening at Mar-a-Lago, of course. While it portends to prove the massive fraud took place in Michigan and Georgia, the movie has already seen its claims of ballot harvesting fully debunked, as I said. That includes a complete dismissal of the film's central argument from former Attorney General William Barr, Donald Trump's guy. He uh, made a disparaging takedown. Uh, he said it was aired as part of the January 6th committee second public hearing last month. It's a joke. It's it's not worth the paper it's written on if he actually wrote it the fuck down. Now, those 
those hearings have seen the January 6th committee methodically lay bare the campaign to keep Trump in office after losing to Biden. They proved it from every side. Most revealing, though, has been the breadth and depth of the allies he had in his effort, all committed to overturning the will of the voters. Biggs was one of the four Republican members of Congress Uh, The committee in May identified as working the hardest toward this goal and subpoenaed to testify. Now, among its reasoning, Biggs was one of the first to text White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows about ways to throw out a Trump loss. He reportedly uh, said one of 11, he was one of 11 House representatives at a December 21st meeting at the White House to discuss the boosting attendance at the January 6th rally and the theory that the vice president, Mike Pence, would swing the election to Trump. You remember that meeting. We talked about it before. That was the crazy, unhinged, fucking nutcase meeting where people were getting out of control, swearing and yelling and threatening to fight. Yeah, that's professional Republicans. And according to the testimony from former Congress uh, who requested a blanket pardon from Trump after the attack on on the Capitol. Biggs has denied Hutchinson's testimony on Twitter, but has so far refused to do it under oath. Isn't that the funniest thing? How all these people can say these things, but they refuse to do it under oath. They want to have their say, and they could have it. All they have to do is sit down with the January 6th committee, except for that one little sticking point. You have to do it under oath. (laughs) Wow. Well, we have a weird situation with our economy currently. Jobs report is up. Everything is looking up uh, as far as... um, as far as salaries and those sorts of things. But they're saying now that odds are now close to even that the U.S. economy will slip into a recession within the next year as persistent and rapid inflation emboldens the Federal Reserve to pursue larger interest hikes, interest rate hikes. The probability of a downturn over the next 12 months, they say, stands at 47.5%, up sharply from 30% odds in June, according to the latest Bloomberg Monthly Survey of Economists. Now, in March, those odds were just 20%. The latest survey has was conducted on July 8th to the 14th, with 34 economists responding. So... We've got some problems with the economy, and we don't really know what is going to happen. But it goes back to what I've said before. They they tell us the Republicans are going to win the midterms because historically that's the way it goes. And my argument is, well, historically we've never seen anything like that. To make that comparison seems crazy. And the same could be said for the economy. We had supply chain problems. We have the war in Ukraine. We have high inflation, high gas prices, but everything else is running fairly well. I mean, the stock market's taking a little bit of a hit, but there's plenty of jobs for people. Wages are going up. So those are some good things, things you wouldn't normally see with an upcoming recession. So my question is, if everything is different and the idea that the Republicans would take the midterms isn't exactly right because of all the different unprecedented things happening now, wouldn't that be also the case for the economy? 
The fact that there was a jobs report that came out last month with 372,000 jobs being created doesn't make any sense. It's out of character. It's kind of unorthodox. Given that we have these odd signals in the economy, wouldn't that suggest that maybe something other than the norm might happen? Could we go into recession? Yeah, we could go into recession, and that would fucking suck. But maybe we don't. It's funny with the stock market particularly, it's little things that change it dramatically. Now, the stock market isn't the only contributor to uh, inflation and, and recessions and those sorts of things. They play a part, but it's not just that. It's a lot of factors. Uh, none of it is Joe Biden's fault. I wish it was so I could blame him for it and he could do something to fix it. But he is trying to do whatever he can to fix it. The Fed is trying to do what they can. But their their abilities are limited. They can raise the interest rates in order to settle things down. And I'm guessing the housing market is starting to settle down a little bit. Now, in this environment, we see the clear risk of retrenchment in consumer spending while falling corporate profitability means businesses start to hunker down, Knightley said. Economists slashed estimates for second quarter growth to a 0.8% annualized rate from a 3% median forecast in last month's survey. Growth is estimated to be less than 2% in the back half of the year. Now, for 2022, the gross domestic product is seen averaging 2.1%, weaker than the 2.6% growth projected from the prior month. In 2023, GDP is seen rising at an average of 1.3%. Forecasts for Fed's key inflation metric, the Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, were raised for each quarter this year. Now, while most of the estimates were submitted prior to Wednesday, uh, last Wednesday, Uh, The release of the June Consumer Price Index report, the PCE price gauge is now seen averaging 6.3% in uh, current quarter on a one-year over or uh, on a year-over-year basis. That's 0.3 percentage point higher in the last month's estimate. Now, I have no clue why I read that statement from this thing because I don't understand half of it. I'm guessing you don't either. But we know in 2021, there was like a GDP with Joe Biden of close to 6, uh, uh, 6%, which was unprecedented. So we see that something is going on with the economy, and it's not a positive thing. So we need to be ready for that. Now, if Joe Biden was able to do the things he wanted to do with the Build Back Better, this would probably help the inflation. But of course, the Republicans and Joe Manchin don't want to do that. You have to understand, Joe Manchin and the Republicans want the economy to tank. They don't care how you suffer or what it costs you. They want it to tank so they think they can get a better chance at winning in the midterms and or the 2024 election. You see the problem with that? They were elected. They are paid to serve us, to do the best for us. But instead, they're trying to find a way to do the best for themselves. The entire system of our government, our Congress, even the presidency, is a fucking mess. We need to put out the fire of the Republican Party. Then we need to address the Democrats and somehow try to straighten out this system. 
the people who are in the system, running the system, don't want it to change because they're making all kinds of money. But that money is coming from us. So we've got to first get the dumpster fire out, but we can't let up. we got to still be in their shit, and we've got to get this stuff straight because this is not a good sign for the country. I mean, recessions happen. They happen, and then they rebuild. It's not a permanent thing. It's not absolute devastation. But during the time you're in a recession, it is certainly devastating to a lot of the people in this country, especially the poor people. So it would be nice if we could avoid a recession. We're hoping against hope that they can figure out a way to do it. But with the likes of the Republican Party and Joe Manchin not allowing allowing, uh, Joe Biden to do the things he wants to do, They're pretty much purposely tanking the economy for their own benefit. That's something to think about. Anyhow, we're going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I hope you have a great day. Remember, tomorrow is the big day, the primetime January 6th hearing. This should be fucking interesting, and I would suggest you don't miss it. All right, have a great day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.